Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Other Side podcast mission is to discuss important cultural and social issues relating to race, culture, gender, and equality. Hello, thanks for joining us again for another episode of The Other Side Podcast. I'm Scott Kirk here with Lucas Sullivan. And today we will be talking to Burgess Owens, who is the author of two books, Liberalism or How to Turn Good Men into Whiners, Weenies and Wimps and Why I Stand from Freedom to the Killing Fields of Socialism. He's also a former NFL star who played for the New York Jets and helped the Oakland Raiders win a Super Bowl championship in 1980. And uh, you may have also seen him on, on Fox News. He's a commentator on there. And uh, just recently, he appeared before the House Judiciary Subcommittee on uh, Constitution, Civil Rights, and Civil Liberties, where they had a hearing on reparations. And that is what we're going to be talking about today. Thanks for joining us, Mr. Burgess. We really appreciate it. God, I'm looking forward to chatting with you and Lucas for sure. Good topic. All right. So first off, my first question to you is, would you agree that there was hundreds of years of free labor during the period of time that slavery was legal in the United States? No, there was uh, 89 years, 89 years. We, uh, we became a country in 1776 who ended the slavery with 600,000 lives in 1865. So once we, the people, our constitution was put together, we not only did our country begin to fight overtly, but subvertly. We had the Underground Railroad. My great-great-grandfather was part of the, uh, was able to escape the Southern Route, in which thousands of white and Mexican-Americans facilitated the process. And of course, we all know about Harriet Tubman and what she did on the Northern side. So 89 years is what it took for us in an evil practice that has survived for thousands of years. And just so you know, Scott, slavery has not ended. We have 15 million people being enslaved around our world today. We have um, child slavery that's coming through our border, southern borders. There's a lot we can do right now for those folks that are really going through literal misery of slavery, the lack of freedom, lack of hope today. I'm wondering why we're not speaking about that. Well, Mr. Owens, okay, so let's just say, just for argument's sake, let's say that it is 89 years, right? Even if it's 89 years, if it's 89 years, if it was 100 years or 400 years, would you at least agree during that 89-year period that African-Americans or Africans brought to America were forced to to produce labor that basically benefited white Southerners and, to a larger extent, the country as a whole? Would you at least agree with that? No, what I agree is, is that slavery was definitely happening. There was actually an effort by the, the Republican Party to, and to, to do reparation as soon as it was done. I don't know if you're aware of that, but the 40 acres and a mule was put together by the Republican uh, Congress and the Republican uh, president. 400,000 acres was actually given to over 40,000 black former slaves, and that was uh, but, that was taken away as soon as Lincoln was, was assassinated. So there was reparation. There's no question there's evil going on. No question also that there was benefits of the particular South, the Democratic Party at that time. That's why they fought so hard to keep it going. But at the end of the day, okay, if I can just say this, there has been evil, there has been uh, inherited slave, uh, servants, 
if in slavery, from the history of mankind, what we have to recognize is what did black Americans do once we were free? My point is with, with the reparations is at what point should they be compensated? I mean, we live in a capitalistic society and in, under any other terms, if someone, if I provide a service to you, right, or if I come over and I, mm-hmm. I, I expend labor, I expend effort that in a way that benefits you, normally we would say that person should be compensated. And I hear what you're saying about the 40 acres and a mule, but number one, the majority of the slaves never received that. So I'm still trying to get at the point that if whether you agree with the time period or not, whether you agree with who caused it or who inflicted more pain at the end of the day, would you not agree that the slaves or descendants of those slaves should be compensated for the forced labor that that they yeah, let, me, let me ask you this. Let's, let's make this personal. Let's say you have a grandfather who uh, did some very bad things. Mm-hmm. Okay, He actually caused harm to a family that, first of all, that you don't know and that, but it is that he caused this, this, this harm. Should you, as your grand, his grandson, should you be paying back this family because of what he did maybe, what, 40, 50 years ago as, as your grandfather? No, that's hypothetical. The answer is no. At the end of the day, there's no one living today that was part of that effort to, in, to enslave people 200 years ago. That is there's correct, no but, but people today do still benefit from that trade. I mean, when they show the White you know, House on, on television, the White House literally was built by the hands of slaves. So even to this day, our government, the actual government institutions, the actual structures that they're housed in are benefits of slave labor. So in that sense, the entire country benefits from that, right? Would you agree uh, with that? Our, our country has benefited from every single culture that came through. There was a Chinese labor that, that they were, trans, uh, they were not forced, uh, but they were not forced to do that labor well correct well no they weren't forced they were brought in inhumane conditions and, and actually worked in conditions inhumane conditions hey, let me ask you this are you aware that 40 years 50 years after in the slavery that tuskegee university was producing more self-made millionaires than harvard yale and princeton combined are you aware of that i am sir but even if they were okay, now, that I'm doesn't i'm leading to a, a conclusion okay are you aware scott that the 40s 50s and 60s the black community led our country in the growth of the middle class Percentage of men uh, matriculated from college. Percentage of entrepreneurs over forty percent. We're now three point eight percent. The men committed to marriage over seventy percent. Are you aware that we were in our segregated communities in the days of Jim Crow, KKK? That our community, because we were segregated and turned inward to make sure we had gained worth, that we were leading our country as the most competitive race in our country. Are you aware of that? But I'm still not. Fi- what does that have to do with being compensated for? <laughs> hundreds of years well, of well, it, labor. It has to do, it has Those to do accomplishments were done yeah, in spite of that. I still don't understand. I, my, well, exactly. I, I'm just trying to get to a simple financial... Well, well, no, no, but, I'm just trying yeah, to get to the finances point. of it. If someone does something for you on your behalf and you benefit from that and you don't compensate them under any other circumstance, we would call that theft. So regardless of what black yeah. folks were able to accomplish in spite of those those obstacles, and I get where you're going. You're saying, your point is, is that my ancestor was able to escape to freedom. He was able to own land, to become a business owner, and that's wonderful. My question to you is, what about all the black folks who didn't have that opportunity? Their ancestors weren't able to escape to freedom. They weren't able to own land. And in fact, shouldn't your grandfather be compensated for the time that he spent enslavement prior to his escaping to freedom? 
Yeah, well, if he was here, he would be. And if he was here, that's what they were trying to do with the 40 acres of the mule. But understand this. I don't know what, what this is, what, what, what this concept comes down to, where some kind of way we believe that in our gene, is a slave gene. Somewhere in our, in our gene that we are put behind the, the ballpark because uh, something happened to people uh, uh, years and years ago. If that's the case, I think the Jewish people, because they were enslaved over 2,000 years, somebody should be, they should be rep- reparated also by somebody. They were. The they have been compensated uh, as well as Japanese Americans who were in internment they, camps. They, so they so we've right, done this Jewish before people, for other groups of people. people. Right, wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me the Jewish people have been given reparation in, a, in this country? Or, or by the Egyptian people. Who have the Jewish people been given the reparations from? I'm just saying that our government has compensated groups of ethnic groups of people for mm-hmm. tragedies and, 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 and horrors that have been committed yeah, against them. So this is not a new concept. Yeah. And that's because their kids or their grandkids are still alive. To me, this, this is my, my, my problem, this whole reparation thing. First of all, my parents would have been appalled to hear that as hard as they worked, as much as they did, that they're still being looked down, down upon as a is a racist owed something. This country, if you go anywhere around the world, there's no place in the, in the, in the history of, this, of, of our world that blacks are doing better than here in this country. That's because we have the ability to pull ourselves by our bootstraps, go out and build a business, teach our kids how to, how to be educated, and actually whip out anyone else that we're, we're competing against. What we, what we fail to remember as we talk about this reparation is that our race was kicking butt. We don't talk about that. We talked about what happened 200 years ago, now what happened 50 years ago or 60 years ago. If we're succeeding in this country, why don't we focus on our success? And how about this? We're succeeding, and we do have pockets in which people are being are, are miserable, which we do. We have 75% of our black boys in the state of California can't read and write. And that's a 2017 study, and we're not talking about that. Why? Because we're talking about something that happened 200 years ago that none of us experienced. But would you agree that African-Americans are still disproportionately being affected because of systemic racism and systemic systems that that have helped contribute to those problems that you just named? Absolutely not. I'll tell you why, why we are dealing with it, because of policy. We have in our country a group of elitist blacks who have voted for every anti-black policy in, under, the, under the sun. There's something called the Davis-Bacon Act in 1932 that made sure that blacks are not competed against uh, white unions. That's why you, you see these big buildings going up in black communities. You don't see blacks working on them. You see black ownerships working on them. You see whites who take their money and they go into their own community. We have blacks that are actually voting against our kids getting a good education. If a school is failing, they want those kids to stay in those schools even though they're failing, we have high minimum wage, which makes sure the low la- low skilled labor cannot work. Eighty three percent, Scott, of the black boys and uh, the black teens over the last eight years are unemployed, and ninety three percent in 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 Chicago and soon unemployable. These are policies. It has nothing to do with our skin. It has nothing to do with happened two hundred years ago. If we have policies that do, that do not educate our kids, do not give our kids a chance to get a job or business owners, we went from forty percent of business ownership, and when I was growing up to 3.8. 3.8. So where is the leadership? Where is the the, the ownership? Where are these uh, business owners going to hire their own kids, teach them how to work, and have them go out and become entrepreneurs also? So no, it, it has nothing to do with what happened 200 years ago. We have an elitist group of socialist and Marxist black leaders who have become wealthy as we tell our kids that they can't make it and they're living the American dream. Mr. Owens, That's the real deal of where we are today. So Mr. Owens, this reparations conversation pops up it seems like every 10 years 
Mm-hmm. Everything that I've read suggests that it's popping up now because the president uses a lot of racially loaded language and there's a lot, you know, racism has creeped back in and you have groups marching and, and things like that. So I'm wondering, do you view the discussion of reparations some kind of like, I guess, racist pandering by the oh, elites, oh, by the elites oh. in power? Like, is that where you're coming from? Oh, absolutely. First of all, race started back in 2001, started in the campus of Berkeley and, and, and Brown started by socialists and communists. Take a look and do some history to find out who began this process. Reparation has nothing to do with black progress. It has to do with dividing our country where people, where black people like ourselves are saying, you know what, you white people owe us something because what you did to our ancestors 150 years ago. It is divisiveness. It is, you're talking about racism. That is the core of this process. And the reason why it's popping up now is that the Democratic Party needs to have people who are angry, who are, who feel that welfare is, is, is where it's at, who do not do, who have not, do not like white people. They need to get them wrapped up to vote. At the end of the day, it's all about 2020. I understand these guys are not going to do anything making these these comments. They don't do anything for our, our, our kids in these urban communities. The record is, is very, very straight. Where is the worst misery in our communities? Where? Democratic cities, democratic states. If they really cared about us, Scott, if they care about the black community, we would not be in the state of misery we're in today with no one talking about real issues like education and jobs. So is your message to uh, black people who want... To discuss reparations, is your message to them, get over it and, you know, bootstraps kind of theory, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and go make your own life? You know, and and can I ask you a question, why is that a negative? It's interesting, I've heard that pick yourself up by the bootstraps is if that's a negative. I'm not attaching any connotation, I'm just just trying to get a sense of where you're coming from with it. Like, I want to make sure, though, is that your message that you're... When you go speak to groups or when you go on TV, is that is that the message that you want to get across? My message is this country is a place of second chances. I'm going to make this real quick point. You made a point that I was, I was Super Bowl champion back in 1980. Well, 70 years later, my business went under, and I ended up being a, a chimney sweep and a security guard for about four or five months until I can pick myself up by my bootstrap. At the end of the day, this country is anybody who wants to make it happen. I don't care where you start from. Anyone who wants to have, make it happen, you educate yourself, you work hard, you stay honest, you bring a service to people, you make people make sure people like you, you can make it in this country. That's my message, is let's not look at somebody else being the, the answer to our issue. Mr. Owens, you yourself personally, you were blessed with some athletic talents that allowed you to, you know, experience a, a, a version of life that 99% of people don't get to experience. So don't so don't you you have to see kind of the irony in a person like yourself who has, you know, and I'm sure through your own hard work, I'm not taking anything away from that. You earned yeah. your spot, but you were afforded yeah. the opportunities that 99 percent, especially in the African-American community, never get to see. And so exactly. is so, so isn't so, your perspective, you know, you're coming from a place that you get opportunities that nearly everyone else does not. So, so how does that explain my experience as a chimney sweep and as a security guard and as someone who's broke living in Brooklyn and listening to gunshots, gunshots outside my apartment and understanding at that moment that this was a great opportunity because it, was, it wasn't going to last very long. I get that. You had some tools. I mean, I think you would, I don't know your life story, but I would say at some point you were right. given some training, some tools some backbone, you know, whether you developed it yourself or you had a mentor, you had that in your constitution that allowed you to keep going. And I, and not everybody has has that. Spot on. You, you, you nailed it, my friend. And that, those tools were given to me by my parents. And a mom and a dad. And I'm going to say that you have the same tools. But you can't blink and apply your your story to everyone to else everyone. and say, get over it yes, and I, yes, get I up. Oh, 
ask, no, absolutely I can. I can go back throughout my history. My grand, my great-great-grandfather, my grandfather, my dad, we all tell the same story. At the end of the day, you have the same tools I have. The key is, where do you learn them? You learn them from a, from a family. You learn them for, a, a, this is the biggest problem we have today, is 70% of our boys do not have a father in home. Why? Because of the democratic welfare program that made sure our, our mothers depended on, on, on the government and, and having babies. I remember when it happened. I was in the 60s. I remember when it happened. And so we have policies that destroyed our family. Our family was the strongest unit in our country in the 40s, 50s, and early 60s. We now are at the very bottom. So, yes, the tools are there. We have to figure out how to do it. And I have a program called Second Chance for Youth. The four stands for what Booker Washington taught our race back in the 1900s, early 1900s. It's head, heart, hands, and home. Head is education, heart is compassion and service, hands is industry and, and, and entrepreneurship, home is family. If we get back to those basics, I don't care who we are, I don't care where we start from, we can pull ourselves up our own bootstraps, work our behind off, do meritocracy, have people respect us, and we get good jobs because of it, and we run businesses that are successful because of it. So no, it, it, it's a man in the mirror that's going to make our country, that's going to make our, my race turn around. And I'll be honest with you guys, my focus for these, these young kids, the ones that go through the juvenile system today, the ones that were not given a chance because of democratic policies, my goal is to bring these kids back where they have hope. They're going to be the greatest advocates for our country, because once given hope, they're going to go back, reach back, and tell kids like themselves, if I can do it, you can do it. My message to anybody who's listening here, if I can do it, you can do it. I'm not one of those elitists telling you that I've made it, but I'm special and I'm so unique and different because of whatever training that I can do it, but you can't. That's elitism. we got to get away from that if we're going to ever bring our race back to the greatness that I remember growing up in. Mr. Owens, I want to play a piece of audio. This is um, from an interview that you did on Fox News that I think kind of <laughs> helps illustrate your overall larger point. Okay. I'll tell you, if we, we want to look at reparation, I, one thing I will agree, let's, let's, let's point to the people that did this, the, the guys that were in the slavery, segregation, Jim Crow, killing uh, 20 million black babies. It's the Democratic Party. So I would believe that uh, I would be very, very uh, much in, in favor of Democratic reparation. We should start a campaign, make Democrats pay, because it's in that party, and those who stand in the Democratic Party and understand the evil they've put on us, they are complicit. So let the Democrats pay for everything they've done to our country in the black community and I'll be I'll be right on, on page with that one for sure now my question to you is because obviously it sounds to me and, and correct me if I'm wrong that you place the blame in terms of the condition of the black diaspora at this point you blame most of that either on black folks themselves or on the Democratic Party <laughs> but doesn't that just absolve the slaveholders and the people who profited from slave slave trading um, doesn't that sort of let them off the hook because basically you're just saying well you know none of the issues systemic issues that are a direct or indirect result of slavery or Jim Crow basically have any effect on the problems that that the black community has today it's it's pretty much self-inflicted or it's inflicted by the Democratic Party but you sort of leave out all the, the, the built-in mechanisms that help further and support that systemic racism. Okay, now, first of all, I, nothing I said has anything about me blaming black people for, for where we are. Well, you, you're pretty much saying if, if black folks well, just pulled I, I, up I, I, their I, I, bootstraps, I, 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 they wouldn't be... Oh, absolutely. 
No, no, no. Listen, the, the, my message to everyone is let's pull ourselves up our own bootstraps. But here's, here's the thing. There's only one institution today around that has been around back in the days of Civil War and today, still today, still around today. It's the same, the same institution that is responsible for slavery, so, uh, segregation, Jim Crow, uh, lynching, uh, fought against, uh, fought against anti-lynching laws. The same place right now that keeps our kids uh, dumb and ignorant and, and unemployed. The same in the same industry right now that's teaching our kids about socialism, and Marxism. What we have what institution is that? That's the Democratic Party. Isn't that that's, a bit that's, that's disingenuous? Because I, I'm sure you and I both know that the modern day Democratic Party are really Southern Democrats that left the party and became Republicans. It's oh, not the big switch. The big switch. Yeah. Well, I, I I don't I wouldn't I, refer I, I, to I, I, it as I, I, that. That's what we hear, and you know, it's interesting. I don't see why the Republicans want to infiltrate themselves in the Democratic Party when everything we've done, everything the Republican Party has done since the beginning, being anti-slavery, was against what the Democratic stood for. It's a good little sounding bite because it, it absolves those who are at, at, who, who put this deal. So you saying our the party of Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris is is basically the the party it's that it's supported so lynchings? I mean, as it is today we're not talking about 50 years ago as it is today because when you say the democratic party you're implying that the party of today is the same party that it was 50 or 60 years ago yeah well let, first of all let, let's let's do this let's stop defending uh, a party and, and i feel the same way with the republican party i can care less about a party i'm caring i care about our people i care about the american people and about my race if there is a the philosophy if there's a party that's done damage to my race I'm against that party. I don't care who it is. So, yes, the Democratic Party, by us now, today, I, I don't care if it was Republicans, I'd be the first to say, you know what, let's get away from the Republican Party. I'm, I'm one of those guys who believes in the American way. And I don't care which party is against us, I'm against them. So let's not have our loyalty to a party unless we do our history. And if we want to say the Democrats have treated us well, that they have done great by us, then we, we should be taking responsibility for everything that they've done from the beginning to the very end. I think we can all agree that both of the uh, established parties have done harm to the black community. What, what is the harm? What is, what is the harm that the Republican Party has done well, to the black community? I mean, I mean, I don't want to rehash history because we're, I, I want to I want to spend a little bit more time talking about present day and because I, I think your your points you made about pandering are important. But my point is that, you know, President Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act. And then, yeah. you know, Nixon went down to the South and put his arms around George Wallace, uh, who was a staunch racist, who was pro-segregation. You know, yeah. it's been documented documented the harm segregation had on, on the black community. So my point is, overall, like, both parties have some, have done some irreparable harm to the black community. But my point now well, is... Can I make a point? Because, first of all, Nixon didn't, didn't run down and, and put his arms around he, uh, uh, the, uh, he, the Wallace. He, no, surely, he, sure, he, he surely stood yeah. shoulder to shoulder with George Wallace, too. He had a Southern strategy that was aimed at bringing no, in no. racist white yeah, voters. George, yeah, George Wallace was out of office by the time Nixon came along. But, so, uh, the, 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 no, let me just make this one point, because history is so important. Let's learn the, the true history because we're, right. we're twisting it around for the narrative and it's not, it's not really fair to okay. people that are listening to us. Alright, I disagree with your twisting thing, but let's move on. Today, okay. the, the most I've heard Democrats say that they're willing to do at this point is form a committee to discuss some kind of reparations, what they might be and, and if they're needed. 
And so, you know, it would seem like after, you know, when these when these discussions first began almost 20 years later, we would be well past this point. So I'm wondering, like, as a black person, and Scott, you know, you can answer this too. When this just keeps getting, this keeps happening, and now it's happening because there's a bunch of people running for president on the Democratic side, and, you know, you have a, you have a lot of racism popping up because of the president. So it seems to be nothing more than just something getting thrown up in the stratosphere and it's going to go away. And I'm wondering, is it more harmful than not discussing it at all? A couple things before I answer that. Scott and Lucas, I appreciate what you guys are doing now. This is exactly what our race needs. And I, and I respect you guys tremendously because we're having a conversation in which we can agree to disagree on a lot of things, but we're doing respectfully. This is what made our, our race the great race we were because we can have these kind of conversations for the good of our, for our community. So that being said, no, I don't. I think it's a waste of our time. I think the reason it's coming up right now is because there's a 2020 election, and it's, it's time for the, the Democrats to divide us once again to get people revved up. Understand, every two years they do something to rev up the the, the lowest nation or those that are at at risk, the most at risk, the ones they don't think about at all. Don't they don't they don't worry about their jobs or their unemployment until it's time for another election. And all of a sudden, you get them all revved up, they go out and vote, and they forget them for the next two years. Uh, right now, we have, for those who don't know it, the lowest unemployment in the history of our race, the highest increase of business ownership in the history of our race, the lowest welfare in the history of our race. And this cross this is not only black, this is Hispanic and, and Asian. What's happening when you deal with Americans, not black issues or white issues or Hispanic, how about American issues? Allow us to go out and work. Allow us to make sure our kids are getting the best education possible. Make sure we're emphasizing the importance of marriage and commitment of men to their families. Let's stop calling our, ba- our, our daughters baby mamas and go out and, 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 and marry them, support them, and be the leaders of our household. We do those kind of things, and we will, once again, kick butt. But we have to know it's going to be on us to make that happen. And these guys, these, 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 these elitists who live the American dream, who fly around and, and, and they gated communities, and they, they, they open up these borders. And these borders, by the way, when you open up borders, it goes against our race. We're at the very bottom of the, of the employment run. And guess who these illegals come out and take jobs away from and take housing from? It's from us. So we have to understand that we are truly in a fight. It's not a, it's not a black and white thing that we want to make, they want to make a scene. It's against our, it's our Judeo-Christian values versus socialism and Marxism. The Democratic is a, is a pack of socialists uh, and Marxists right now. And, and believe me, when I say that, that means elitists to care less about those that, that, they're, they're, that they're supposed to be serving. They care about themselves they're, and, they're, and their little stratosphere of people. And whether it be white or black, those in their class, they're all, they're all into. Those not in their class, they don't mind using, abusing, and, and uh, discarding. I, I just, to, to, to many of us, I just want to be clear so we can, you know, we can talk about facts. Unemployment rates did drop to lows <laughs> last year. But according to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, unemployment rates for blacks, Latinos... Asians has steadily crept up in the last six months. And on top of that, the unemployment rate for blacks is still double what the unemployment rate is for whites. If we I, had that if conversation I, when it's it, it now, it now 6%, back when uh, President Obama was up to 14%. And nobody was talking about it at that point. Well, you had the recession. The you had you had the recession in 2008. I mean, you have to factor that in. We were, yeah, we were. We were the, 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 recession, the, the recession finished up officially within six months. And the President Obama has never hit over 3%. He was the first president in the history of, of, of our country to never hit over 3% in terms of GDP. So, no, the policy that he had was a, it was the slowest 
with recovery since World War II. So the policy they had was detrimental to us because it took eight years to finally get to where we're now having jobs again. And we have people, we have companies coming back to our country and, and manufacturing and energy with energy independent for the first time in 75 years. Those things have an impact on all of us, Scott, all of us. The highest rate, uh, uh, wage uh, growth is in those that are at, in the past at the very bottom of our, of our scale. So we're, we're, we're doing much better than we have in a long, long time. We need to highlight those points instead of putting them down and saying it's accident. I got you. <laughs> Mr. Owens, I just have one last question for you before we get out okay. of here. And that is if let's just say hypothetically speaking, if in the event that <laughs> reparations becomes an actual real thing. Right. Are you willing to say today that you are you would refuse whatever reparations were due you in, or in your a- Absolutely. Absolutely, because I'm not a victim. First of all, it's not going to happen. Just understand, it's not going to happen. There's another promise that the left puts in place to get people hyped up. It's not going to happen, guys. But I, I'd be one that says, yes, I don't want anything to do with it, because it's against every principle that, I, that, that I've grown up to be. I'm not a victim. I'm not going to have anybody give me a, a, a freebie for, for, for just being black. I think that's the most demeaning thing for our, for our race. It's just because of our skin tone that we're looked upon and we're going to send on the corner and somebody's going to come by and, and, and give us money. It just doesn't work that way. And can I say this one, one more time? I would love to have more conversations with young men like yourself. I, I respect you tremendously, Scott and Lucas, because this is what we need to be doing and giving the back and forth. And people can marinate in our, in our conversation, figure out where they belong on which side. But keep in mind, we're not calling each other names. We're not coming to beat each other up. <laughs> we're, we're having conversations, which is what our country is about and what our, what our, our, our community Surely, surely me. So thank you guys, seriously, from the bottom of my heart. I respect you guys remarkably. I mean, very much. And this is what we need more of. And I would love to do this again if we did ever get a chance to do so. Absolutely. You know what, Mr. Owens? That's something we both agree on. I, I absolutely agree 100% with you. <laughs> and, we uh, we'll definitely have you back sometime. And I, I appreciate you coming on because I know that, you know, it's not an easy conversation to have. And so I, I appreciate you coming on and, and speaking your truth and, and how you feel. And um, as um, as you said before, and as Lucas said, you know, we can agree to disagree. But I do appreciate the, exactly. the conversation. Yeah, if you get to Columbus, you need to let us know because we'd love to have you we'd love to at least meet and you know have you in studio to talk so if you're ever in the city please please let us know i was born in columbus my dad got a phd at ohio state in 1951 oh really okay i I would listen guys oh absolutely yeah and 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 believe me uh, one thing i know about all the three of us we love our race we want the best for it in some kind of way in the process just as this conversation went on we finally found a place we can agree on that's what it works so let's keep the conversation going and literally keep me on your your feet out Anytime you want to talk about anything, let me know, and let's, let's, let's get it done again, okay? All right. We thank appreciate you. it. And, thank you, guys. Uh, Keep it going. Thank you. And uh, for all our listeners out there, don't forget, we love to hear from you. Please check us out on our Facebook page at Facebook slash group slash Other Side Podcast. Or you can always hit us up on Twitter at Other Side underscore POD. And uh, until the next time, try to see things from the other side. Thank you. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.